MCU cast friends, what is happening? Uh, this is Matthew. I uh, had a funny thing happen today, and I am excited about it because you guys are excited about something, apparently. Um, so every week when I go to send out our Stranded Panda email list, I look over the most recent submissions. And, you know, sometimes there's five, sometimes there's 30, sometimes there's 50, whatever. It depends on the week, depends on if we've mentioned it or whatever. There, there's a section where you say what you want us to cover on the network. That way we can keep track of when people are uh, wanting to hear about a certain property, people within our community. Invariably, Marvel's the top thing because this is the podcast that started the network. And, like, you guys are always like, Marvel, 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 more Marvel, Marvel animation, Marvel this, Marvel that. This was the first week I've ever checked it. We had like 30 new submissions to our email list this week, and a majority of them asked for us to cover House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones spinoff. So funny, because I literally posted an episode about House of the Dragon, the first episode, on Pandavision last night. And so it was really great to see because it seems like all you guys are excited. But since, again, this is the show that started the network, and there's a lot of you guys out there. There's apparently a hunger in the community for House of the Dragon coverage. Well, I started covering it with my good buddy, Josh Jordan. You guys have heard me talk about him before because he is the guy who named Stranded Panda, if you've heard that story. I'm just really, really excited to cover the show, but also it was a really fun conversation with my buddy Josh, who is just one of my best friends who I've been trying to podcast with forever. So I'm a, I figured to drop it here in the feed since so many of you guys are interested, but what you need to do so that you see here the next one is go to Pandavision on whatever podcatcher you use, subscribe, and hey, while you're there, give it a five-star review if you're on iTunes, or give it a thumbs up on whatever platform you have, because uh, we really want this to be visible, because there's a lot of hunger for this um, here, House of the Dragon show. And I, spoiler alert for the, the what's about to happen on the feed here, but I loved the episode. I thought it was way more impactful than I than I expected it to be. I was I was a little worried it would be like too in the lore of Game of Thrones, but it really does a good job of like making me care about new characters, even if I've never seen Game of Thrones. I think this would be a really interesting show. Oh, and just another heads up about this episode: we get into Game of Thrones a little bit as well. We just talk about like what we liked, what we didn't like, how it ended, all that kind of stuff, because it it's sort of how it relates to the new show, but also because we just couldn't help it but talk about. Game of Thrones itself. So, check out House of the Dragon. If you haven't, if you would like to follow along on Pandavision, it would be really great to have you. We love you guys. Thanks for joining us for all the things. And, like, you know what? I'll be talking to you again in just a few hours because She-Hulk comes out in about 12 hours. So, I will be back on here to t give a little instant reaction to She-Hulk. Talk to you soon. Enjoy House of the Dragon. Today on Pandavision, we're going to be talking about Episode 1 of Season 1 of House of the Dragon. Heirs of the Dragon. All that right of this ad we have no control over. Welcome to Pandavision, the podcast where we take all the shows that don't fit so neatly into our little universes and throw them in the junk drawer, and that's what we're here to do. Uh, my name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today... We have a very special guest, the uh, the namer of Stranded Panda. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> I've told that story definitely uh, a few times on the various podcasts, uh, but but you haven't been on many of our podcasts. I'm really excited to have you on, Josh, one of my best friends, 
Josh Jordan. How you doing, Josh? Hello, thank you. Yeah, man. It's really, really good to have you. Good to be here, buddy. Like I said, I've been looking for a good excuse to have you on shows for a long time and uh, just, you know, just good, good to have you on. And you're a, you know more about Game of Thrones than I do. <laughs> well, you know how to bait me. Just dangle some high fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. We've got this. Uh, this this is coming out, obviously, now. And then uh, in a few weeks, we've got Ring of Power, Rings of Power. I think I saw them open up for Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh. But we'll probably try to figure out how to cover that on this this show, too. So Pandavision is about to be real high fantasy. Okay. Here. I dig it. <laughs> Well, man, uh, so we've seen House of Dragons. Yeah. Or House of the Dragon. I, I call it the wrong thing. But what do you what do you think? What's your thoughts on the first episode? I guess I I, I guess just dive dive right in. Spoiler alert, everybody. We're going to talk about it. Spoiler alert. Um, there's Targaryens and they do stuff. Um, mm. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm, I don't know. I think there's two schools of, of thought. Some people are looking for something new and fresh and different. And I am of the, the if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. and uh it's i go to it for the same thing i got out of game of thrones also i should like ask big asterisk i think i'm one of like 30 people on the planet that was not bothered by the end of game of thrones oh really Um, yeah i enjoyed it interesting like people were like naming their their kids khaleesi and stuff right and like like, love daenerys and i was like this is not a hero story i mean i think a lot of people knew that like i don't know it seemed like it surprised a lot of people when she went off the rails and went insane. And I was like, an overarching theme of this whole series is that Targaryens are crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. One of the first things that you learn is that the mad King wanted to burn everyone in King's landing alive. And that was her, uh, was it her dad? It was, it, it was a Targaryen of which she is directly descended. Right. But it also is the theme of the show to subvert expectations. Yeah. So like you just, and the problem with the show that that's the theme if you're constantly subverting expectations, well, it's the problem and the genius. By the end of it, you're just like, I don't know what's going to ha- fucking happen. Like, I have no idea who's who's sitting on that throne at the end, you know? Well, to that point, though, the expectation has been shaped for seasons that she is the hero- a heroine, freeing enslaved peoples and just going from city to city, you know, bringing a lot of good. So, right. people are like, uh, so, so it could be argued that... <laughs> That that expectation was set and then mad subverted with yeah. fire. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Uh, but it's just one of those things where it's subversion, I'm subversion, I'm subversion. And then you mm-hmm. start to go like, wait, so so now the subversion is for her to live exactly up to her like great grandfather's legacy? Like that's subverting, yeah. but it is. Like it's the way they they use they do use with great effect on Game of Thrones, like the text and the subtext and sort of the tone of the show. Like there's lots of things that show you that she's going down that mad queen route, but Mm -hmm. like you just like her so much and they, they just do so many things to make you just like the tone of the show makes you like her and like the way it, uh, from the very beginning, I mean, also just making her such a underdog from the very beginning. She's an underdog. She's a, a woman. Let's not discount the fact that her ferocity is mm-hmm. like an attractive quality that is like a novel in a in a, a a female leader, but expected of a male leader. But the fact that she can hang with Khal Drogo and the Dothraki and yeah. eat horse hearts and and the fact that she's just this badass, we admire mm-hmm. until it's that same ferocity that goes full Targaryen and 
you're like, okay, well, I guess I should have seen that coming. <laughs> well, and that, that leads us directly to, should we see that coming? Uh, we got House of the Dragon here, an entire show about the same clan that is like, you know, known to be a little insane. Yeah. To be insane leaders anyway, power mad, crazy people. But also, it seems a lot of that power mad stuff is related to the Song of Ice and Fire. Like, it's been in their lineage, and it seemed, I don't know the story of the Mad King very well, but I know it's, there were a lot of people that were speculating that he was going mad because of the sort of, like, whispers of the end of the world coming and stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So, that's a big responsibility that they've passed down. Well, and now we know from episode one of House of the Dragon, Mm -hmm. at the very end, Viserys, the king, relays to, uh, Renea, his daughter. I still don't have the name. Renera, right. something like that. Um, Renera. Th- this dream, this dream mm-hmm. that you know is handed down from tar- like that originated with Aegon the Conqueror. Shout out. We don't we don't hear enough about him, but he was a total badass. Um, shout out to fictional Aegon the Conqueror. <laughs> um, shout out to our Westeros forefathers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who had this this dream? Which, by the way, I've been I've been reading a little bit. Um, about the showrunner and when the ideas of development behind it and, and, and George uh, R.R. Martin's um, involvement and the whole Aegon having the dream about the White Walkers, which, you know, becomes a really important uh, note was was originally from Martin. He's the one that thought that up and he's the one that uh, said this. is No, this is where this this is what happens. Aegon has this dream about White Walkers because all of a sudden at the end of that episode, anybody that is connecting the dots is going so this guy knew about White Walkers 200 years before they attacked mm-hmm. Westeros and they did they did attack I mean we we learned how they were made in Game of Thrones when the children of the forest made the White Walkers and then for anybody into the history the fictional history of it the Battle of the Dawn was when the children of the forest banded together with the first men on Westeros to fight back the White Walkers and that was like 6000 years before where we are now. So they've been there before they've been a threat They've been defeated and driven back into the far north. And I, I assume that Aegon knows that. That's like history that you that they learn now. Or I don't know if it was too far ago and it was lost to time. Mm-hmm. So if he had a dream about them and he doesn't know about them, that makes that way more significant. Right. That's super interesting to me because, yeah, I did not realize that Aegon had... Obviously, no one realized Aegon had this dream, but like... I, I had always assumed, and this I, I'm an only a show watcher, I don't know any of the lore, because yeah. the wall exists, and it seems sort of like ill-kempt, I always mm-hmm. assumed that the wall and the crows and all that was like a cyclic, and like the White Walkers is like a cyclic thing. Like it, like it had happened before they built the wall, and they're just always waiting for the next wave of White Walkers to come down. Like that's kind of how I envisioned it, and maybe that is it, but like it seems not to be the case based on what's happening in this episode. Right. It happened. So the the gist of that, or the not the gist, the actual lore behind that is that it happened once. Um, the children of the forest and the first men beat back the White Walkers to the far north, and they vanished. That was called the Battle of the Dawn. Uh, Bran the Builder then built the wall after that, and that's how that's why the Night Watch was started and why the wall was built. And right. after that, I don't think we that anyone had seen White Walkers until Game of Thrones season one, episode one. So at this point, there is a wall. At this point, yeah. where we are now, two hundred years prior yes. to Daenerys. Okay. The wall exists in in House of the Dragons timeline where we are now. Okay, 
Yeah, I was, I was wondering if we were going to get to like the building of the wall or something because I didn't know what no, where no. this falls. That's already been built. Winterfell's already there, as you as you've seen. House Stark's already there. House Baratheon is represented. Yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. we've seen House Lannister yet, but they're they're there as well. All of that's there, but I don't know the significance that those houses or that that stuff will have yet. I do know that the dream that Aegon had was has, was only introduced just now in this episode. That is it's a really big cool. deal. Yeah, it's huge. It, yeah, Martin Martin tied it in, and that gives some continuity to Game of Thrones with House of the Dragon. That's that's really cool, and you got to wonder what Rhaenyra is going to do with that information, if, right, if what yeah. it means to her. What's interesting to me, it's somewhere over the next 172 years... Mm-hmm. See, the, the the reason I'm confused about the wall thing, the reason it made me think the wall didn't exist is because in this episode, he says it like it's a secret that he's right. passing the secret down to her. Mm-hmm. And then like, if it's a secret and these white walkers are coming and the winter is coming is a secret. How does it go mm-hmm. from that to being just like everyone in the realm? That's like a common phrase. Are we going to get like the, the origins of that phrase? Winter is coming and like it being like letting the people know that is there going to be panic about it and then it never actually happens you know well winter is coming there's nothing particularly special about that phrase when it's uttered all through season one in game of thrones it doesn't mean anything about the white walkers in if you remember on that plane or planet or whatever you want to call it where westeros is winter happens much more rarely than we experience it it's like sometimes it's every eight years or nine years or ten years oh okay See, that's something I never caught. Okay. <laughs> and winters are of, are of varying length. And I think that in, in the original Game of Thrones, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it had been several years. It had been in, uh, a conspicuously long time since the last winter, I believe. Okay. And they, they comment on people like kids like Bran's age never having seen anything. Like they call them like children of summer and stuff like that because they've never mm. seen a winter and stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I- I'm so glad you remember all that context because a lot of that is lost on me now. I was, some of that I vaguely like. Catching glimpses and like, oh, yeah, that, right. oh, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, I, and I want to get to this episode and talk about this, episode, but, but just to give my thoughts on uh, the final season, just to, to contrast with you, I had no problem with the Daenerys stuff. Yeah. Um, at all. I loved, I loved it. I thought it was perfect. I even thought like, you know, Jon Snow killing her at the end and everything. Like, I thought that was all perfect. Yeah. But I really hated the White Walker stuff. Like, I really hated how fast that was over, and I really hated how um, it started to feel, you know, when you watch a movie that is about a book that's really good, like if you watch the Harry Potter books or movies and you really like the books, the the movies feel like highlight reels of the books. I can't super relate because I've read like seven books, but yeah, I get it. I get the concept. Well, like, that's how the last season started to feel to me. It started to feel like rushing through highlights of what was supposed to happen in the final book. Yeah. Instead of, like, really... F- the, the, the the prior six seasons felt very, like, lived in and very, like, let's do this slow, yeah. methodical thing to build up to big moments. And it would just felt started to feel less character-based and more, like... And the White Walkers, I was like... To me, the whole theme of Game of Thrones was, at least this is what I thought we were going with it, was the White Walkers are coming but we can't stop squabbling over a throne and that's going to make us a divided house when all the walkers get here. But then yeah, the walkers absolutely. barely made it into the North and I'm like, Oh, okay. It's over. <laughs> I, I mean, I was really impacted by the episode called hard home when they attacked um, that wildling town that, that Jon Snow first encountered them at. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mo- you know, seasons before the end. Um, that was awesome. I was like, Oh shit, this is a real danger. 
And I'm with you at the end. It felt really rushed. The pacing was not as good as the pacing of the prior seasons. And that's something yeah. suffered by a lot of shows where they're wrapping stuff up and, For and sure. whatnot. Maybe, maybe it was some of that. For sure. And there's the, the, the other stuff is like the brand stuff. I wasn't, I wasn't satisfied. With nobody liked later. the brand stuff. Nobody, I, I, nobody liked the brand stuff, but I kind of liked that it, that it wasn't likable. Like they're picking up the pieces. <laughs> I don't know. There was something that felt intentional and kind of like real about that to me because it didn't have a nice, neat bow on it. Him being king in the end felt real. But I, I really just hated that he never really came into his power. Yeah. He did, but it never meant anything. It was really, yeah. We were waiting for him to be way more instrumental. Right. I was waiting for him to like warg into dragons and stuff. Yes. And, and Bran the Builder. <laughs> Everyone was like, there was that whole theory that he was Bran the Builder and he was going to go there back. There were so and many thing. crazy theories about Bran. There were theories that the Mad King was mad because the whispers he heard was Bran when he was time traveling and shit. There was like so many exactly. awesome theories about Bran yeah. that the, that the, you know how it is when like theories get crowdsourced. The show could have never lived up to all the crazy shit we we thought was going to happen. Yeah, but you um, still when you send a character on a journey and he ends up being this like crazy powerful telepath yeah. and then he comes back and that means nothing to the overall story. I'm just like, okay. I'm with you. They really didn't use a whole lot of magic in the show. Like yeah. the first time we saw like that that weird smoke creature it, it, like the the red uh Melisandre gave birth mm-hmm. to Stannis's smoke, like that the weird thing. Smoke baby. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> y- you didn't see a whole lot of magic. So, like, when Bran turns out to be this, like, three-eyed raven green seer that can time travel, that should be really important and not glossed over. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and they, they do spend, like, seasons showing his journey up there mm-hmm. and, like, meeting the three-eyed raven and, like, show you how Hodor became Hodor. Like, it, right. I'm with you. That for me, the Hodor thing that. was like, oh, shit, they just brought time travel into this story. Like, yeah. it's a weird version of time travel, and it's clear that he's not powerful enough to control it well yet, or, like, nobody's mm-hmm. doing. He just, like, broke his own friend's brain from a childhood. Like, like that, yeah, like, that should matter and not be, like, a footnote. Yeah, and then it's just like, oh, I guess he time traveled that one time and then never did it again. Uh, anyway, anyway, that's, so that's, that's, that's my problems. My problems weren't with Daenerys or anything. It was the... The, th- the threads that just felt dropped and I just was like, this did not fulfill. And I, and I agree with you, the theories and stuff, they didn't have to. M- the problem with theories is like, you don't have to do the theory I have, but like you have to do something with all the threads. <laughs> you know, like right, that's, I get that. That's my problem with the last season. And some of the stuff just felt like zoom, zoom, zoom. Let's wrap, 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 wrap. Yeah. I wonder how, how, how if house of the dragon is going to introduce elements of sorcery and, and weird stuff like that. Um, I kind of hope so. I hope that like, Maybe it's a different time. It's the time of dragons, literally. Like it's it yeah, seems I mean, like maybe the magic could just still be around mm-hmm. more more heavily. I love that they show the giant they have the giant skull of uh is it Balerion, that big dragon skull in the basement. Yeah, Valerian. Um if you remember Heron Hall is just like a smoked ruin in Game of Thrones because it, it was sieged by by dragon fire. Balerion's the dragon that did that. Okay. Heron Hall. Sorry. It's this big castle where um where Tywin Lannister had his base of operations where he was like torturing people by like making rats eat through their stomachs and buckets and stuff. You remember yeah, all that? I do remember that. Um it was once a once a huge fortress, um, and they <laughs> thought it couldn't be destroyed, but then Aegon yeah. the Conqueror used Balerion to to render it into a pile of rubble. You know, I'm sitting here saying like 
I, I you know I don't like that when they drop these threads and like things don't think things that build up and come to nothing. But that is literally yeah. what Game of Thrones is about. Like I mean, Ned Stark from the beginning is like they built him up for a season and then he came to nothing. You know, like it just yeah, sort of that should have immediately yeah. <laughs> telegraphed to all of us. Throw all the shit you expect about a hero's tale out the window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they kept uh, you know Joffrey and the Red Wedding. Like they kept Rob Stark. They kept doing it over and over again. I don't know why I was ever surprised after that. Yeah, but and that's that was the magic. They kept being able to find a way to surprise us, mm-hmm. um, and I and, and I was always impressed by that. Uh, but yeah. getting into this episode, you were talking about expecting more of the same versus wanting something new, and like for me, I think my fear with this episode, this first episode of House of the Dragon, was that I would get into it and it would just be too referential of the original game of thrones like oh i care about her because she's daenerys's grand great 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 grandmother or whatever and i care about him because he's eventually going to do this thing like i was kind of worried that it would be too lore based and the Mm -hmm. thing that impressed me most about the first episode i care so much about the characters already yeah like the specific characters and like when they i'm just gonna go ahead and cut to it like uh, not no pun intended. I hated it so much, and it was the most brutal thing when he had to cut. He didn't have to when he cut his wife open. Yeah, um, the king cut his wife open. That was that was the moment I realized I'm kind of upset that I'm back in the Game of Thrones world. Yeah, like, it was I, jarring. I was, oh, it was, so jarring. They have a weird, and it's not the same showrunners at all. But there's a weird ability for that show to really dig in. Again, no pun intended. No, to really, gross. but no, but to uh, to to jar you and to to shock you. They they like they manufacture these like grotesque, uh, inhumane conditions. Mm-hmm. Whether whether it's uh, Theon Greyjoy or, or uh, Ramsay Bolton or mm-hmm. you know the poor Emma Emma um, Aaron. Fun fact, the, the king's wife that gave birth to that child was an Aaron of the same house in Game of Thrones that John Aaron was from, who originally kicked off the, the events um, of Game of Thrones. I don't know if you remember. Vaguely. Of the veil. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was gruesome and brutal, as were the uh, festival combat events mm-hmm. and and the gold the men in gold going around the gold cloaks yeah. let me let's go ahead and just like salute matt smith yes isn't that his name yep because yep. i didn't know who that mm-hmm. I, I was like this guy looks familiar and i didn't watch him mm-hmm. um as doctor who because i am a uh, david Tennant purist um, <laughs> I saw like an episode or two of him where he was like this, like, you know, bumbling goof in a bow tie, yep. which I thought was very endearing and very Doctor Who. So, like, for him to switch gears, you know, years later, uh, I totally buy him as Damon Targaryen. He seems like a ruthless, yep. brutal badass. Me me too. I thought he'd be like like a sniveling, like, I've seen him play a few villains lately. He was, uh, mm-hmm. he was he's been in a few things that he was sort of villainous. Um, last night in Soho, I believe is one that, uh, that comes to mind. Um, okay. there's something else I've seen recent where he sort of like comes off as a villain and he, he sort of plays just like smarmy asshole, like sniveling, but man, he felt powerful like in the, in that, in that dragon helmet and like, uh, yeah, yeah, I bought it and I'm surprised that I did. <laughs> There are lots of elements to him that I really appreciate and the complexity of the character. Like you said, I already care about these characters. They're putting them in 
real situations with real problems and they're already developing real relationships with them. Take Damon Targaryen, for example. You know he's ruthless with the gold cloaks, but you also see him when um, he's got that sex scene that made half of the internet uncomfortable. And they were like, don't show me Doctor Who having sex. <laughs> um, where afterwards, like he can't finish and like he's got a moment of vulnerability with this like a g- girlfriend, uh, whore, the person, you know, yeah. she's. And she reminded me of the girl whose name um, eludes me, but T- Tyrion's wife. Uh, yes. In, in Game of Thrones. Anyway, you know, there's a moment of vulnerability. And when he's talking to Otto Hightower at the council table, there's this moment of smarminess where he's like talking about how the fact, you know, the fact that Otto's wife just died. Uh, and then when he is talking to his brother, you know, he's almost petulant like a child when he's being sent away. Mm-hmm. There's so many dimensions to him already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really appreciate and then he's got this weird relationship with Rhaenyra uh, where I'm like, is this her, you know, fawning adoration upon her uncle or is this some Targaryen shit? Yep. Uh, it seems like maybe it's some, uh, some Game of Thrones shit, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I felt the same way. I, and and the, the thing I always said about him as Doctor Who is that the, the thing I love about David Tennant as Doctor Who is that he is playful and fun and funny, and I just have a great time watching him. But when he wants to, he turns on a gear where I am scared of him. It's when he was the villain in Jessica Jones. Like, it's that. Yes, it's absolutely. Like, exactly. He's got this wonderful like ability to tap into the psychosis that I totally buy, and I know what you mean. Yes, yes. Oh, man. So, like... But that's the thing, he can be in the middle of being Doctor Who and just flash his eyes and you're like, oh, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, yeah. he, he could commit a genocide right now. Like, he legitimately mm-hmm. could do a terrible thing and I would buy it. And so, like, I'm always like, you're always like rooting for, you, you kind of have to root that Doctor Who is going to do the right thing when he's Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's weird because he always does, but you still somehow buy it because that performance is so magnetic. Um, I agree. And so complex. And I love Matt Smith's Doctor Who. I really do. Or the Doctor. I keep calling him Doctor mm-hmm. Who. But um, he ne- he doesn't have that in Doctor Who. He has a very, like, he's a puppy dog all the time. Mm-hmm. He always does the right thing, just like the other Doctor Who. But I never fear him. He gets scared sometimes. And it makes me feel, mm-hmm. he, has, he, has, he has complexities to him. But I'm never scared of him. And that's why okay. I don't like him as much as David Tennant. And so in this... I just didn't know he had that gear. And like, he's got teeth, man. Oh, he does. He does, man. And it's teeth, but it's human and it's real. And um, when he's like, he just seems like he's a puppet master right now. Like him listening outside the court or whatever and like knowing yeah. what everyone thinks of him. Um, and no one's even like, no, there's where are the guards? Like, where are the people that are supposed to be protecting this court? Because, like, I just kept expecting him to, like, just step into the room and do whatever he wanted to do. Because it seemed like they, they said it in this. This is a this is a, 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 a generation that hasn't been at war. Mm-hmm. And, like, he seems like he is, like, chomping at the bit for that. Mm-hmm. Well, they all do. Well, the I feel like the court seems weak to me. Oh, well, I, I mean, the, like the, the knights on the battlefield that were referenced when that woman said, like, there's green as summer. They've never seen real war. And yes. You know, they come here with fists full of steel, steel and balls full of seed and we expect them to behave. Yeah, totally. I feel like they're all chomping at the bit. I feel like he was like born for it. Yeah, me too. Me too. I feel like he's really got that Targaryen fire in him, whereas Viserys does not. The king presently... Mm-hmm. It, you know, he calls him weak and he's kind of right. Like 
Yeah. The, the most impassioned we see him be is, is over the death of his wife and, and newborn child. What was so beautiful about that I'm weak line is when mm-hmm. Matt Smith says, you're weak, Viserys knows he's right. Like, you can see it on his face. Yeah, he doesn't contradict him. He doesn't contradict him. It's as if his clothes just fell off. Like, he is he concedes. So, he concedes yeah. in silence yeah. to the point being made. And then, of course, the beauty of it is when... He asks what he would protect him from. He says, yourself. Mm-hmm. He says, you're weak and they prey upon you for their own ends and you let them do it. And, you know, it's just great. It's great writing. And it's it's not only accusatory, but it's also revealing of the character of the king. So that's really cool. See how yeah. it all unfold. Yeah. Rhaenyra, though, not weak. She is, you know, very obvious. The, the most obvious comparison to be drawn is Arya Stark. She's like, I'd rather serve the realm on the battlefield, you know, in war and glory than in the child, you know, giving birth to children. Mm, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah, Arya is a good call. I also obviously think of Daenerys. Like just the the look of her, I, I can't. No, I, I guess can't that's not. more obvious comparison. Uh, <laughs> is her actual relative? But no, you're uh-huh. right though. Like speaking of like who steps in in the first episode and sort of like acts like a tomboy, basically. Like yeah. you know, this is this is that same story. She's out riding dragons while you know. I, lo- I love that line, and I don't know that character. I don't even know who that character is yet. But the character who said. uh Every time you come back alive on that thing, I it's one more time I don't get my head crushed or whatever. Yeah, it just saves me from having my head on a spike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he seems like a, kind of her bodyguard, kind of, uh, and he means he seems to mean well. I like that guy. Mm-hmm. He's going to be like the barest and sell me of the season of this uh, series. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a progression for Daenerys, right? When we first see her, she's a child. She starts off real timid and like grows into this this warrior queen. Um, whereas that's very much who Rhaenyra is immediately. That's very much who Arya was immediately. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. It's true. I, I thought it was also very interesting. The um, I, and so I have an immediate trust of hands of the king. <laughs> I don't know why. Obviously, there's been good ones and bad ones. Well, at the, be- the beginning of Game of Thrones, the person that tries to warn everybody is John Aaron. The person I was talking about, he was the hand of the king at the time. Okay. The first hand we know of. And then it's Ned Stark. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, it's Tyrion. And so I just have mm-hmm. this like hand of the king is this like position of wisdom, you know, in, in mm-hmm. so many ways. Should be. And so you meet Hightower in this episode, uh, Otto Hightower. And I mm-hmm. like, I liked him immediately. He seems very measured and seems very like, you know, level headed and even tempered. Yep. And- just like a lot of other hands I've seen. And then when he like, and I know it's the world we're living in, in this, in this like show, but like when he tries to convince best friend of Renera to like go out, when he tries to convince Alicent to go and be in uh, the bedchamber of the <laughs> king, because he knows it's, this is the time to go court the king so he can pick a yeah. new wife. He needs a new heir. Like, oh man, that's so duplicitous and gross but also understandable from like the world they're in and it's just it and also he's legitimately trying to protect the realm because he thinks they really do need a new heir he's got good intentions but he's you know trying to to activate them in a way that you know seems so unscrupulous to us pimping his daughter out yeah (laughs) pimping his daughter to the king but i mean that's you know abhorrent to us in modern times but all throughout history Marriage has been a contract that united families in exactly that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But that's the know, thing. But he does that and you're like, is he doing that for power or the kingdom? Because I think he legitimately yeah. does not think Damon's the best choice 
as heir. So he wants there to be a new heir. So he sees this opportunity to have an heir that he can kind of control and have influence over. And he goes for that. But is that just him seeking power for his family? I think that's such a, that's a thing that the show does so well with certain characters, because for the longest time, like, like the, the, the spider, the bald guy in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, Varys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, what is this guy's number? What is this guy's game? What's his agenda? And when he comes to Ned Stark in the dungeons, um, when he's not supposed to, risking life and limb, I can't even remember why he goes to to see him. Um, he's, you know, Ned says something like, "You could be killed for being here," and blah blah blah. And he says, "Like, who do you serve?" And Varys says, "The realm." And you're like, "Okay, is that what Otto Hightower is doing? Is he serving the realm or serving his own interests?" And I, I, I love. You know, having to follow along with that. Yeah, me too, man. Oh, so it just it's a it's a great setup. It's a great first episode. I care immensely about all these characters. Um, Damon being jilted and no longer the heir. Uh, Renera being the first female heir. Alicent being this like you know tool of her father. Like it just everyone. I want. I cannot wait to know more and see mm-hmm. more of the show. I, I think it was a great first episode. I'm. Pretty pumped about it. I think so too. I can't wait to see how these characters develop. I like all the actors I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Corliss Valerian, the, like the black dude with the the blonde dreads. Yeah, um, he's got an interesting history. He's got a title of like the Sea Snake. He apparently was like a pirate and stuff. And I don't know if we're gonna get to see any of that. But like for what little you know we saw of him, that that was interesting and compelling. Everybody's interesting and compelling. Yeah, for sure. And, and just like I'm, I'm sorry, but the black dude with big blonde dreads just has a great look. <laughs> it's just a great look. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we know who is Cr- the Kristen Cole? Do you, um, do you know anything about what that was about? Like they, they really seem to f- overfocus him on, on, he's one of the knights that was in the battles. I think he's being, you know, telegraphed to be of significance, but no, I don't know anything about him yet. Okay. But, just curious if that if that had significance outside the show that I watched because I know there's little More things that I'm not about catching. Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For you and for anyone listening, um, if you try to go online and read some of this stuff, be very careful because most of this has already been written in lore that Martin has put down in in books. You might know that already. I didn't know that, and I went looking for certain things. It's all out there already, and I don't know how much of that they're going to stay true to uh, with the right. series, but you, there are things that you can spoil for yourself that you might not want to know. Um, <laughs> So be careful. I always play these mental tricks on myself when I when I end up with spoilers. There's there's always some mental loot like lot like I don't know knot you can tie yourself into to make make you think the spoiler isn't real. Like sometimes yeah. it's like oh no it's just fake it's just fake it's fake fake. But like in this case I want to be like okay it's two hundred years ago. Like sure it's written in the book as like stories <laughs> but like maybe who knows who knows who wrote that down you know like like they may say Damon died at this point or that point or Renera died at this point or that point like but was that written in like reality how many you hands know? and tongues has that passed through how many translations is this exactly, the King James version exactly. how do we even know if that's real or someone faked their death and when we find out they popped up as a different character three seasons from now you know what I mean like it could be all kinds mm. of all kinds of craziness could happen and it could be an exploration of like what is lore and what is reality mm-hmm. which is kind of what Game of Thrones feels like all the time you know it feels like that like I don't know if this were all real, this high fantasy world, it would be very brutal and real and gross. And it's kind of terrible to watch <laughs> and also fascinating. Yeah. It really, yeah, it's got all of that. It's got glory and it's got horror and 
all the best and worst of what humanity has to offer. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Anything else? Any other storylines we missed or like you wanted to touch on? Um, no. Damon fucking whore. Um. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Looking at the notes. Damon fucking whore. Um, the it, first cesarean <laughs> in history. Uh, gross. So gross. I really like, let me just say, especially with what is going on in the world today, having yeah. that baby prioritized over the woman in that way made me sick and it made me really, really angry. And it just, uh, yeah, I'm just, I just, in, in fairness, I will say that the maester said to him, the impossible choice is to save one or lose both. So it's not like the, the baby was prioritized. They painted it as though that she was probably going to die anyway. Oh, I, I did not catch that. So he never was presented with the choice of save your wife or save the child. He was presented with the choice of save the child or lose them both. Yeah, it, or he said to save the child, or or if if we don't, you don't decide to, it's if, in God's hands. It, it will leave it in the hands of the gods. So so right, exactly. Yeah. So by saving the child, you're almost damning her to a, a death of blood loss and and terrible fate. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. But, I, don't, I don't think that there was ever a chance that she was going to come out of it okay. Yeah, at, least, at least they didn't present that as an option of like, we could also yeah. do this to the child and then she would survive. Not that I'm saying that children, that, that it was like a justifiable decision. That was kind of the point is it was an impossible decision. But yeah, it made me yeah physically uncomfortable it as well. It made me terribly uncomfortable. And what killed me was that as soon as I heard Breach... Like I knew that's yeah. what they were going to do. And it was yeah, before like, oh, the, is this where this is going? Yeah. Before the maester even came over. And it, and the, the reason is not because it's some of the thing we were talking about with, um, Otto Hightower, like, is he doing this to have an heir or is he doing this? Cause it's the right call. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, cause it's like, it did the maester only represent that as the best option because he knew, well, we can't choose a woman over the heir to the King. You know what I mean? Like it was this, like, it just, I don't like thinking about that. I don't either, gross. but that, and, that, yeah. I, that's how it, that's how it all landed on me. And I just like, I really, really hated that scene. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just terrible. Just, just absolutely terrible. Um, and I mean, that's the thing like this show found a new level to take me to that grossed me out in a whole new way about how dark this world is. Um, mm-hmm. and the sort of, and it, I mean, I th- the re- the reason the reason that all resonated with me, of course, is that first conversation of the episode is Renera going to her mother and saying, like, um, you know, I want I want to be out riding dragons, and she's like, no, 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 like our job, like our whole purpose, this is how we serve the crown, you know, like this mm-hmm. is how we serve our kingdom is to have babies, to have heirs. You'll be in this position soon, and like. Yeah, I'll have to go back because I didn't remember him saying that they would both die. I thought it was a choice between them, but I, I, I you may, you may, you're very likely right because you have better memory than me. That's my memory and interpretation, but I, I'm going to go back and watch it again as well. Yeah, not now though. I'm going to go stare into the middle distance and hate all of humanity after this conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all right. The other thing about it is, is like if he if he made that choice and it was a choice, then. What is Renera going to do when she finds out? 
And it made sure. it made me wonder because she even says like her first line in the episode is to walk in and say, "Mom, you've got all these people are waiting on the baby. So who's going to protect you?" No one's you? attending to you. Mm-hmm. And then in that later in the episode, they choose the baby. Over. I, they, they, I thought that was a whole thematic thing they were doing, but maybe I misread. It may have been. Um, You're good at seeing threads like that, so that that may be a valid point. Oh, it was terrible. I really hated it. I hated it a lot. Game of Thrones. That's another good thing that they do because I remember being totally invested in the first season and loving it. And then Ned Stark dies and I'm like, fuck this show. (laughs) Yep. So yep. More of that. I was both like, fuck this show and like slow clap standing ovation. because I was like, they got me. They completely (laughs) got me. You got me. I, I am very rarely completely gotten and completely mm-hmm. like I'm sitting there all the way till the very last moment going like, yeah, like, it's not going to thicken it. She's got, out. she's gonna... got needles. She's like just around the corner. Like she can fight right. off an He's army. Fine. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. His daughters that have almost no skill and our young girls are going to free him from this situation. They've been. And then his head falls into a fucking basket. Ugh. And you're like, it's a dream. It's a dream. Somebody's going to wake up. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> And then, like, credits roll, and you're like, well, shit. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, I, I really liked it. I can't wait for more. Josh, thank you for being yeah. here with me, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to experience this journey with you. Yeah, me too. I loved doing the first... I loved, like, watching the first Game of Thrones, but it is it is a show that was so thick with lore and interest and, like, little characters moving in different ways. I always wanted to podcast about it because it would just... But I kind of started podcasting too late in the run to really get into it, so I'm really excited to, like, have this experience with you particularly. Been wanting to have you on something, and this just is going to be fun and perfect for it, man. So, appreciate you. I agree, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Well, uh, we'll be back soon, guys, uh, with next week with more... House of the Dragon, right here on Pandavision. Uh, Peace. Thank you for listening to Pandavision. We are a member of the Stranded Panda Network. For all of our podcasts and other creative geeky projects, check out strandedpanda.com.